This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. Smile. Everything's going to be okay. Amen. Jesus is on the throne, I promise you. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. Oh, I knocked off my, my elements. We need, need more tape. Hey, we're, I'm good. <clears throat> well, I want to thank uh, Dr. Vickers for being here last week. I know all of you that were able to be here was good, huh? It's good to have some, uh, some, some new food, some new feed to hear somebody new, so... But it's back to the uh, regular diet now. So, <laughs> this this month, I really felt impressed of God to talk about uh, in a series. Teach on fight to the finish. We're going to be looking at the fight that we're in, and especially we're going to be looking at the armor of God and how it plays such an important role into this fight that we're in. And I'm talking about a fight to the finish because that's what it's all about, folks. Listen, Christianity is not a club, it's not a, a, you know, a set of nice rules, it is a battleground with the lines clearly drawn, God's people against what? Satan and his kingdom, and it's clearly drawn. You know, one of the great mysteries, which I believe that only the Bible reveals in its fullness, is the source of all the sin, the sickness, just the suffering of mankind. You know, why is the world we in? Why does it seem so harsh and hard? You ever notice that? You can buy a brand new car. Just set it in your garage. Don't drive it. Don't, don't even sit in it. And you know what will happen eventually? It deteriorates, doesn't it? Why so much calamity and pain? You know, man in his wisdom seeks to explain it rationally through science or maybe philosophically through his reasoning. But all of these fall short. Only God and the revelation through His Son and the Word gives us a complete and full understanding of why the suffering that's here. The Bible reveals to us that we're in a spiritual struggle. Paul says it's a battle in the heavenlies. It's a struggle that cannot be won by human weapons or armament. You can't do it. Science doesn't have the answer to this spiritual host of darkness. The struggle finds its beginnings all the way back to the beginning in the Garden of Eden. And that's when Satan invaded the earth. This is basically what it is. It's been, we have been invaded by a spirit of darkness called Satan. So the great theme and the redemption that is that Jesus came. He engaged the enemy of man and defeated him at Calvary. Now, his victory has been credited to us, but... We've been given both the charge and the weapons needed to enforce Satan's defeat. That's very important. See, traditional, historical Christianity has just been, well, you know, whatever happens, that's God's will. And so we just sit passively back and we just, you know, we just respond to whatever happens against us, whatever life dishes out. We just, you know, that's God's will. Nothing can happen unless God permits it. God, God wanted that to happen, so we just sit back. That's what Christianity has taught us historically. 
And it's made us passive Christians. But that's not what the Bible teaches us, and we're going to look at that. We must engage the battle, or either we become what I call passive prisoners of the deceit, the deception, the cunning of the spirit of darkness. So in this series, we're going to be looking at the location of this cosmic clash. Its nature and the responsibilities that we have to take up the armor of God and demonstrate Satan's defeat. So our question is, what is this heavenly battle in which believers are now engaged? That's our question for today. So let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to Genesis 3. And what I want to know, anytime I'm in a battle, I want to know who started it. I don't know if you grew up in a family with siblings like I did. I had older brothers and older sisters. It was a double whammy. (laughs) Man, you know. Oh, man. You know, and inevitably something was going to get started. You know. And, you know, and, and when the commotion got loud enough, my dad would come in, you know, and straighten it all out. You know, he was... Ex, he was ex-military, so, you know, he didn't, it didn't bother him too much until it got to a certain degree of clamor. Somebody got yelling loud enough, he'd come in. And, of course, the question was always, he always started it with this, who started it? About four to six pairs of hands, fingers pointed everywhere. But, but, so, but you know, who started it? If we're in a fight, if we're in a battle, and we are, then who started it? How did it start, and why did it start? In Genesis, the book of beginnings, we'll read a couple of verses here. Genesis 3, we're going to pick it up in about verse 2. It says, well, we'll back up to 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. And the serpent said, you will not surely die. Boy, isn't that the, that's, he hasn't changed a bit, has he? You will not surely die. You will not die. So let's, let's look down to verse 6 now. It says, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. Guys, before you say that woman, look at that next statement. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. This is where it started. Adam was a passive individual rather than standing up to the serpent, to that spirit of Satan that was behind it, rather than standing up and saying, not so, in the name of Father God, you get out of here. God gave me this garden, gave it to me to guard it and to keep it. You have no place here, you get out. But rather than do that, he was passive. He just, he just went right along with the flow. He just went right along with what was happening, and he ate it as well. And you know the rest of the story. It says their eyes were open. At that point, man was separated from God, from the will of God, from fellowship with God, from the purpose of God. And the Bible says that death, sin, came in, and really we could say this, at that point, 
Satan invaded the earth, and you know what? He gained a beachhead. He gained a beachhead right here in the garden. And you know the Bible says that because of that, sin passed on to all men. You know the story about that. But here's the thing. Satan has gained a beachhead here in the earth, and now what he wants to do is he wants to extend that into your life, into your family, and he wants to gain a beachhead into your life. Are you listening? His lies, his deceit, his cunning, uh, his, his doubts, his fears, his accusations, all of those things to make you feel unworthy, to, to, to cause you to become judgmental and, and, and critical toward other people. All of this stuff he comes in. Why? He wants to take you captive. Sickness and disease. What? It comes in to rob your health, to rob you of life, to rob you of peace. All of these things. Enemy is trying always to gain a beachhead into our life. And he gained it because what? Adam and Eve, what? They became passive. Well, you know, I, you know, I don't want to just stand up and say, you know, that God wants me well. I don't want to just stand up and say that, you know, God wants me to have peace. I don't want to stand up and say that God wants my marriage to work. I mean, everybody goes through tough times. I mean, you know how it is. Well, yeah, everybody goes through tough times, but we don't have to stay there. We don't have to live there. The enemy may attack, but we don't have to sit passively by and just let him gain a foothold and stay there. Isn't that true? Look over in Luke chapter 4, back over in the New Testament. We can see this foothold even more clearly brought out in the temptation of Jesus. You know the story. Jesus comes to John the Baptist at the River Jordan. John the Baptist recognized him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth. Jesus asked to be baptized. He comes up out of the water. You know the story. The Holy Spirit comes on him in the form of a dove. The voice of the Father says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear Him. And then right after this, after this glorious, wonderful time, with the Father, just a glorious time, it says that Jesus is led into the wilderness. You've, maybe you feel like you're in the wilderness. Well, you know what? Just as much as in that glorious baptismal service, baptized in water, baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit went with Him right into the desert, right into the wilderness. You may feel... Like you're in the wilderness. But I got news for you. The Holy Spirit is right there in the wilderness with you. Luke 4, Jesus is in the wilderness here. And it says, He has been fasting for 40 days. And then Satan comes to him and begins to tempt him. Now look in verse 4. Or let's pick it up in, rather in verse 5. It says, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, he's speaking to Jesus, I will give you all the authority and splendor, their, their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me. Well, who gave it to him? Adam and Eve gave it to him. Are you listening? See, when we become passive, we give 
place, a place to the enemy in our lives. You know, it's one thing if you just run up to me and sucker punch me, but it's another thing if I just keep, if I get back up off the ground and say, okay, here I am, keep on punching. Isn't that right? He said, all their authority and splendor has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. Wow. So if you worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered, it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Now, some people have said, well, now, that wasn't really a temptation. The devil was just lying to Jesus. Well, if he was lying to Jesus, then Jesus would have known it. It was no real temptation, was it? And, it, and obviously, Jesus didn't dispute it here. So the devil, I mean, you know, when it suits him, the devil can tell the truth. I know he's a lying spirit, and that's his nature. But sometimes, if it suits his purpose, he can tell the truth. Sure he can. His accusations are usually a mixture of half-truths, lies, and deception. Or he wants to tell you where you're at, not where you're going to be. God always tells you where you're going to be. You're going to, be, you're going to wind up on your feet. You're going to end up in victory. You're going to end up in health and peace and blessing. Isn't that what he said? He says, I know the plans I have for you to give you a future and a hope. So here's the thing. We are fighting him. Satan has gained a beachhead. And now you and I, as we are moving in our daily lives in this earth, in this world, in this earth suit, we are being confronted by the enemy. Now, wouldn't it be nice if the enemy always came, you know, either in, you know, this traditional, which is not true, in a red suit with some pointed ears, wouldn't that be great, and a sign hanging around his neck saying, this is me, the devil. But he doesn't come at us that way, does he? The Bible, even in, in the Garden of Eden, says he was cunning. He's cunning. He'll, he'll mix a half-truth in with a lie. And he'll, just like he, with, with Eve here, he deceives. And he wants to get you to just kind of, just like, well, yeah, now, well, that does kind of make sense. How many of you know everything that makes sense is not always right? Isn't that right? Here's how we know what's right. We've got the book. You've got the Holy Spirit. So between the Holy Spirit and the, and the book, the Bible, what? That's how we can discern and know what's right. Amen? Somebody says, you, you sound like a Christian scientist. No, I'm a Christian sense. I have Christian sense. I think we ought to have Christian sense. Amen? So Satan gained a beachhead. So who are we fighting? In Ephesians chapter 6. Now, we're just getting it introduced today. But I want you to know, you're, we're in a battle. We're not on a vacation. A lot of Christians, I talk to them, they seem so amazed that, you know, that they, they find themselves in a battle. They find that, that, you know, things have happened in life and the enemy's behind And a lot of times they don't even know that the enemy's behind it. They think God's doing it to them. Traditional Christianity has taught us that. God gives and God takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
you know, that's something Job said way back. The book of Job is considered by church uh, uh, historians to be the oldest book even before uh, Abraham. Job had a limited understanding and insight, but we've been given a new insight. Amen. We have the Son of God who's come. He was the express image of the Father. It wasn't shadows. It wasn't types like in the Old Testament. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. So we got Jesus as the express image, what He did, what He said, what He taught, the finished work at Calvary, the New Testament. So we have better information than Job had. Amen? Now here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, every kingdom divided against itself shall fall. What, is, what, what does every mean? All, isn't it? So we, we could say all kingdoms. So if Jesus spoke the truth, that would have to include the kingdom of God. Otherwise, it wouldn't be all kingdoms, would it? It would be most kingdoms. So he said every or all kingdoms. So if God is making sick and healing, if God is destroying and blessing, His kingdom will not stand by the lips of His own Son. So that can't be right. I said that can't be right. Well, it sure looks like it, yeah, but I'm telling you, everything that it looks like is not always accurate. Are you listening? Ephesians 6, verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Oh, my gosh, if we could get a hold of that in the church. I'm not struggling against Congress or the president or... The, the Supreme Court justices or the mayor or... That's not where our struggle is. Thank you for those three amens. Hey, I'm just reporting what's here. You do with it what you will. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So who are we fighting? Not men or governments. So it says, what are you? Are you conservative or liberal? Yeah. Are you, are you Democrat or, or are you Republican? Or are you independent? Yes. We, we want to pigeonhole. We want to locate. That's not who my struggle is. I'm for anybody that's got a good idea. Come on. Somebody, are you, uh, uh, you believe that, that, that women can do this or women can Yeah. Are you listening to me? But that's not where my struggle is. Well, our struggle is what? Against the evil spirits. Or we could say it this way and literally mean it. You know, there's a popular term going around, you know, on the Internet called the shadow government. Well, you know what? They're... they're They've got the wrong shadow government pinpointed, but they got the right concept in mind because the shadow government is these evil spirits and principalities and evil and, and wicked places. Because we can see, if you look in the book of Daniel, especially in other places, that behind every, 
every government, I don't care what it is, whether it's authoritarian, whether it's a king and a monarchy, whether it's an oligarchy, whether it's a, a republic, or whether it's a democratic nation, there is some spirit that is endeavoring to influence the policies and the authoritative structures of that government. This is why we pray for the government. Are you listening? This is why we pray for them. And so there is that unseen but very real realm where we are engaged in a cosmic struggle. That's what Paul says here. Satan and his angels. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, Paul says, calls him the God of this world, whom the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbeliever. And unfortunately, in some cases, even believers have had their eyes blinded. You know, there's some churches, they don't even believe in a, a real personal devil. They think that's just a metaphor. There is an enemy in his hierarchy. You know, the Scriptures tell us. You read over there in Revelations. Jesus talked about it. In Revelations, it's talked about it. Isaiah talked about it in, in his book that Satan at one time was an archangel in heaven. And the Bible says he was beautiful beyond description. You can read his description over there in Ezekiel. He was a beautiful creation of God. He had been given uh, uh, authority and dominion. He was in the very presence of God. But it says that one day what pride and sin was found in him. And he lifted up himself and he says, I will. You can read about it, the five I wills in, there in Isaiah. He said, I will exalt my throne above God. And you know what? That's still the very uh, essence of this spiritual warfare, is that he seeks to exalt his will and his purpose above God's in your life. God says, my desire is you have peace. The devil says, no, you're going to worry, 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 fret, anxious, be anxious. You're not going to be able to sleep. You're not going to be able to do it. God says, I'm going to bless the work of your hands. The devil says, no, you're not. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your house. You're going to lose everything. You're going to be a failure. God says, I've made you a new creation. You're my child. The devil wants to say, you're no good. You're not worthy. You're a bum. Come on. And that's just a few examples. But that's the enemy. You know, where all those negative thoughts of doubt and fear and unbelief and all that, you know what all that? That's the devil shooting his fiery darts at your thought life. And we're going to see where Paul says we got a helmet that we're going to put on. we got a shield that we can use. But you know what? If your weapons, you know, if you've ever been into... Uh, some, some old castles or something. Cindy and I have, uh, you know, traveling in Europe, you go to some of those old castles, you know, that have been there, the historical places, and you go through, and as you go through, they, you sew these suits of armor, you know. But, the, you know, nobody's wearing them now. They just got them on a stand there. And they got all the pieces there on the stand, and you can look at them. See, that's the problem with a lot of Christians. Your armor is in the closet. Or you got it on display. Armor's for wearing. Armors for wearing. Now, when you get to heaven, there won't be any more enemies. You can lay aside your armor. 
But down here, we need the armor. We're going to talk about that. The theater of war, he says here, it's wicked spirits in, heavenly, in the heavenlies. We are engaged in a spiritual battle. A spiritual battle. It is a real enemy with a real intent. Jesus said he comes to kill, steal, destroy. So when I see something that's killing, stealing, and destroying, guess who it's from? When those thoughts come at you of doubt, fear, unbelief, you're no good, you're a failure, you're not going to make it, guess what? Those are not coming from God because He said every kingdom divided against itself will not stand. You've got to recognize those thoughts instead of just saying, oh yeah, agreeing with them. Because didn't Jesus say, if two of you shall agree... He didn't, he didn't say, okay, now it only works when, when you agree with God or agree with another believer, did he? He said, if any two. So if you and the devil are in agreement. I told you he's deceptive. See, he shoots that thought at you, and the next thing you know, it's out your mouth. So you become in agreement with that thought. Boy, this is good teaching, Pastor. Hello. Yeah, I, I, wish you, I wish I could tell you that only the good things you agree about come to pass, but they don't. Jesus said, I mean, they do, but it's not just that. So here's the thing. We're in a spiritual, not a natural battle, and so we have to move past the fruit and take a look at the root. Because Jesus said when the axe is laid to the root, guess what? The rest of the tree dies. So if we can discern what spirit is working and how he's working and what it's like when that spirit is trying to operate in our life, then we can do like James said, we can resist the devil and we can yield to God. Are you listening? Some Christians have got that in reverse. They're yielding to the devil and resisting the spirit of God. God says, step out and do something. Well, now, that couldn't be God. Then that same person say, well, you know, that Passion Church over there, they believe in miracles. I ain't never seen one. No, and you're not going to. Because you've got to get in agreement. You've got to get in agreement with the Spirit of God. Get in agreement with the Word of God. Isn't that true? Get in agreement with your brothers and sisters. You know, people come to me, Pastor, there's so much strife in my house. Well, I know something right then. There, there's, there's a couple of people at least that aren't in agreement. You need to get in agreement. Well, if she or if he just... Well, no, the agreement starts by you getting your act together. Did you ever notice how we want to get everybody else, we want to get them straightened out first? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Especially sometimes when it comes to marriage relationships. If he, if she. Well, won't you just, you, you take up the initiative and you become the one. You become the one to walk in peace, to walk in forgiveness, to walk in long-suffering. You know what long-suffering means, don't you? Suffer long. 
It's deep, isn't it? <laughs> Woo! Well, Pastor, I prayed, but boy, she ain't changed yet. Let long suffering go into operation. That's one of the fruit of the Spirit. Whining, griping, and complaining, that's the fruit of another spirit. Oh, well. So, here's the thing. Do I have to fight? I'm a lover, not a fighter, Pastor. Well, that's not what your wife told me. <laughs> Just kidding. Do I have to fight? Yes, you do. Otherwise, you become what? A passive prisoner. Wouldn't things been different if Adam and Eve had not been passive, but had, had taken their stand way back there in the Garden of Eden? And here's the thing. If you will take your stand, when the enemy first appears, it is usually always right up here. It's a thought. A negative, doubtful, critical thought contrary to the kingdom of God and God's will for you. Are you listening? Some people, you know, say, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Others, it's peace at any price. And that's really what Adam did. His wife was deceived, the Bible says. But Adam knew better, but you know what? Peace at any price. Okay, I'll just go along with it. It's wrong. I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. Peace at any price. I don't like this talk about fighting and, and, and spiritual warfare. I don't, I don't like this idea, you know, pastor, you're upsetting me. Well, listen. I'm just shedding light on it so that you can use the weapons, the armor that God's given us, and you can be victorious. I want you to be victorious. God wants you to be victorious. We're called to overcome. In James chapter 4, verse 7, notice what he says here. He says this, submit yourselves into God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Re submit yourselves to God. See, we get this turned around. Submit to God. When God says, I'm going to bless you, you know what you do? You submit to that. When God says, I have forgiven you, and I won't remember any sin or iniquity in your life, you know what you do? I submit to that. When God says that you're an heir of His and a joint heir with Jesus, you know what I do? I submit to that. Yeah, but I don't feel. But see, that's the problem. You, you don't feel. I don't feel. Well, your feelings can be affected in all kinds of ways. We just turn off the air conditioner in here for a little while. You feel different. Isn't that right? I mean, you leave this morning, you got the victory. You go out there and you got a flat tire. You feel different. <laughs> Feelings are easily changed, aren't they? Sure they are. We don't live by feelings. We live by faith. We live by what God said in His Word. Isn't that right? So He says, submit to God. That is to submit to God's Word and to the Holy Spirit who's living in you, your teacher, your guide. 
We submit to that, and we resist the devil. When you resist the works of the devil and the thoughts of the devil, you're resisting him. When you resist the thoughts of God and the works of God, you're resisting him. That's how it works, church. So what do we do? We resist all those thoughts of doubt, fear, unbelief, criticism, failure, no good, you know, God's not able, God, you know, it works for them, but it don't work for me. We resist all that because what? That's the language of the devil, of his kingdom. And he wants you to listen to that so that what? It begins to come out of your mouth. And Jesus said, whosoever shall say and not doubt, but believes that those things which he says will come to pass, he or she will have. The devil don't have any new wisdom. He's just trying to get you to drive your life in reverse. Could you imagine if suddenly tomorrow a law was passed and said, okay, from now on, every vehicle in America has to be driven in reverse? So you're up there, you've got to drive, either looking in the rear view or if you've got a backup camera, <laughs> you're, you're a one grade up. But imagine trying to drive down the road, go to work in the morning. Can you imagine... The pileups there would be. But yet we do our life that way and we wonder, why is there a spiritual wreckage in my life and my family and my marriage? You're driving your life, as it will, in reverse. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 10. Turn over there real quickly. We're going to be closing here in just a moment and we're going to have communion together. 2 Corinthians 10. Verse 3, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Let's get that down, church. I'm not at warfare with the Democrats, the Republicans, the Libertarians, the, uh, you know, with, with the federal government or Washington, D.C. Not, that's not who I'm at warfare with. That's the, that's what, that's the world's thinking. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Woo, we're going to talk about this armor. We get into it next week. It's got divine power. Why do you want to have try to do it with human power when you can have divine power? You want manpower or you want God power? <laughs> Woo. We have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's where the battleground begins, is right up here. And if you don't distinguish, and if you don't discern who you are agreeing with and who you are resisting, the devil is going to eat your lunch and pop your bag every day. (laughs) 
He's going to take your lunch money. <laughs> and he's going to make you like it. Because you'll be saying, well, it's God. We tear down. One of the weapons of our warfare we're going to find out is the helmet of salvation. That covers the head, the mind. Paul says you've got to get your mind renewed. You've got to get the Word of God in here. You've got to get that helmet in place. So as soon as the enemy's thoughts come in, it shows up. I mean, the lights go flashing. Bing, 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 bing. Wait, 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 wait. Wrong, 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 wrong. Reject, reject, reject. God said, yeah, but I just have such a hard time with those thoughts. It's probably because you've been giving in to them so much. He said, if you resist the devil, and remember we said to resist the thought is to resist the devil. If you resist them enough, what? He'll flee from you. In other words, you won't have so much trouble with that thought. Then build up your faith. We're going to talk about this. One of the pieces of armor, what is the shield of faith? How big's your shield? About big as a quarter, maybe a half dollar. <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> going into battle and you, <laughs> some guy's got a shield and it's about that big? <laughs> he's just like, he's just, he'd be a joke, wouldn't he? It's that big. Well, the Bible says that we, get a, we have a measure of faith given to us at salvation, but we have a responsibility to what? To build our faith up. Build our faith up. Jude 20, Jude says, Beloved, build up your holy faith. Build up your faith. One way, he says, is praying in the Holy Ghost. We pray in the Spirit, pray in other tongues. The Bible says you're edifying yourself. You're building yourself up. You know what you're doing? You're strengthening and building that shield of faith. Now, see, I want to get one of those shields like the Romans had. That thing, man, it covered you from head to foot. Isn't that right? That devil can shoot all kind of fiery darts, but I'm telling you what, they just hit that shield. We're going to talk about that. So here's the thing. This week, educate yourself to understand and if need be, remind yourself of the cosmic conflict revealed in the Bible. Over there in Ephesians and other places. We are in a warfare. We are in a battle. And we need the armor of God, the weapons He's given us. We can live this life and have victory over the enemy. It's God's will, it's God's plan, it's God's purpose, and He's given us everything we need. Educate yourself to that fact this week. Remind yourself of that. Then engage in the battle. If you've been passive, if you've been on the sidelines, listen. Christianity is a participation sport. You know what I mean by that? There, there, nobody, there's no, one's in, no one is in the stand spectating except up in heaven. Remember over in, in Hebrews 12, he said, the writer over there said, we are surrounded by a great, what? Cloud of witnesses. Where's those witnesses at? They're up in the grandstands up in heaven. But down here, 
There are no grandstands to be watching from. It's a participation thing. Otherwise, you become a passive prisoner or a casualty of war. There are a lot of wounded warriors in the body of Christ. And there's nothing wrong with that. What we need to understand is, listen, listen, let's get healed, let's get whole, but then let's put on our armor, let's get suited up, let's recognize there is a battle, and let's recognize that I must engage. See, I can only do so much to help you fight your fights. You can only do so much to help me fight my fights. But if you're passive and you want me or someone else to do all your praying, do all your resisting, do all your fighting for you, then it's not going to work very well. Because Jesus said, if two of you are in agreement, well, you're not in agreement. I'm in the battle. You're up in the grandstands, you know, drinking a Coke. Or a Powerade or whatever you like. So we engage in the battle through resisting the devil. How do we resist the devil? Resist his thoughts. Tearing down that wrong thinking and building up your faith in God's Word. So let's begin to do that this week. Now next week we're going to get into it specifically. We're going to talk about some of the the ways that the enemy attacks us. In this series we're going to talk about uh, mental attacks, physical attacks, different attacks, but very much so we're going to deal with the armor of God. Wearing that armor, what each piece is, is intended to do, it is powerful through God. If we will take that armor and wear it and use it as God instructs us, it's not hard, it's not simple. It just takes a matter of us purposing that we're going to do it. I'm tired of just being, you know, roadkill for the devil. I'm putting on my armor, I'm suiting up, I'm, changing, I'm putting on a different mentality, a different understanding, and I'm telling you, I'm going to be that overcomer God's called me to be. Isn't that right? And this is something that every one of us are well able to Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's Word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.